a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah chapter 2. Meet me in Nehemiah Old Testament chapter 2. Amen. We're in Nehemiah on Sunday mornings. We're in 1 Peter on Wednesday nights. Amen. I believe we're getting a good balanced diet of the Old and New Testament. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 11 If you brought your Bible with you Or your electronic device If you didn't bring those It's on the screen as well It says I went to Jerusalem And after staying there three days I sat out during the night with a few others Had not told anyone What my God had put in my heart To do for Jerusalem There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dome gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I, where I had gone and what I was doing because as, as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me. And what the king had said to me, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambalot the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to them. I want to use verse 18 to build uh, my sermon on. It says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They said, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good Work. I want to uh, preach from a, for a few minutes from this thought. I came here to help. I came here to help. Okay. Amen. You may be seated. I came here to help. I want to talk about serving and leading today. Serving and leading. It's, it's very fitting that this would come up today because we are installing our officers and ministry leaders today. Amen. It's very fitting sermon. It, God's timing is always perfect. Amen. Talk about serving and leading. The text, it it immediately raises a few relevant questions. Number one, what does it mean to serve and lead in the kingdom of God? Number two, what should we expect when we serve and lead in the kingdom of God? And then number three, what does God expect of us when we serve him? Through his life, his death, his resurrection, uh, Jesus Christ set the ultimate example of what it means to serve others. 
Jesus is the essence of what it means to lead and serve. Come on. Some people look to politicians to learn about serving. Some people look to community leaders. Some of us look to celebrities and other public figures to learn about serving. But for us, if we want a real model or paradigm on serving, we must look to the life and ministry of Jesus. We must learn from him and follow his every or very example. Amen. Amen. Every Christian is called to serve. That's right. Come on now. Every Christian is called to serve. I'll argue that with you all day. You're right. The call to serve remains the one constant in our lives. Even if uh, the capacity we serve in changes, the basic fact of the matter is we're still called to serve in some way. Some of us may never be in positions of leadership, yet it's still we can serve in some capacity. Yes, Matthew chapter 28, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus reminded us that he, he did not come to be served, but to serve. So if we're going to follow Jesus' model of serving, it is to live a life where we were always, we're always looking for ways to meet the needs of others through our time, talents, gifts, and abilities. Amen? Yes, uh, serving in the way that Christ serves, that Jesus Christ serves, it means a lifestyle of putting others first. That's a hard pill to swallow. Putting others first. In other words, you mean it's not about me? What do you mean putting other people first? I'm the only person here that matters. But serving like Jesus served, it requires humility. Serving is the very essence of ministry, and therefore we are all called to be servants, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. Here we are, here we are in the second chapter of Nehemiah. We learn a little bit more about Nehemiah. Nehemiah watched to serve in the royal court of the Persian, uh, of the Persian Empire at the, as the king's cupbearer. One day, Nehemiah decided to take a risk and engage uh, King Artaxerxes about the uh, condition of Jerusalem. Nehemiah, as we talked last week, he, he prayed, fasted, and mourned for Jerusalem. But not only that, y'all, he decided he wanted to be a part of God's plan of rebuilding and restoring the city. On this particular day, Nehemiah was talking to the king. He was taking wine to the king. His heart was full of sadness because of the condition of Jerusalem. The walls had been burned down. The city was in ruin. And Nehemiah, he, he grieved over that. Yes, Lord. And here, here he is. He, the king had noticed Nehemiah was feeling some kind of way. So the king asked him why he was sad. Nehemiah, he's still grieving over what he had discovered about Jerusalem. He shared with the king what was actually in his heart. And he wanted to do something. He was authentic about it. And I want to share with you four points. I, I brought four points today. I got a lot to say, y'all. <laughs> We learn some things in this text about serving, y'all, and, and leading, but mostly serving. Okay. What we learn from Nehemiah, here's number one. Serving requires a decision to get involved. That's right. It, it requires a decision. Serving in the kingdom of God, whether it be within the walls of the church or whether it's beyond the walls of the church, it comes down to an individual decision. To get involved with what God has going on. Yeah. Uh, 
it, I call it a decision, y'all, because the reality is some people will never get involved. Some people are are cool with just showing up. That's right. That's right. Some people are are cool. Hey, I just want to come to church, get me a word. Peace out. I'll holler at you later. Some people are. Some people will never get involved, and that's okay. It's an individual decision. Some people are cool with just showing up, but then there are others that will make the decision and get involved and serve in some kind of way. And if we'll be honest, in most churches, some people are serving in multiple capacities. Amen. We didn't read it earlier, but verses 4 and 5 in this very same chapter, they're part of the message. Nehemiah says in verse 4, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I... Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. He makes the decision. He's concerned about what's going on with the walls being torn down. Uh, this is the time to see where his ancestors are buried. And I, I want to get involved and I came here to help. Uh, that's the sermon time. I came here to help. Yes. I didn't come here to suck up all the air. Come on. I didn't come, come to eat all the food. Come on. I didn't come to watch TV. Right. I don't need your Wi-Fi password. I came here to help. Y'all know how we do. We go places. First thing we ask for is the Wi-Fi password. Right. Right. Nehemiah said, I want to help. Yeah. I need to help rebuild this beloved city. Yes. Right. And what we learn from Nehemiah is that we should pray to God about where to serve and how to serve. All right. All right. Notice the king asked him a question. The text said, then he prayed. And then he responded to the king. He, he, he prayed to God about where to serve and how to serve. What else we learn from Nehemiah? We should always pray for God's will to be done. Uh, it, it's not about my will It's about God's will we, But we should also when we pray And God gives us where to serve How to serve We should engage the issues You got to engage the issues That God puts on your heart God put it on Nehemiah's heart And whatever God puts on your heart You got to get involved You got to make the decision Whether it's social justice issues Whether it's homelessness where, whether it's serving in oppressed and marginalized communities, where it's serving in battered women's shelters or homeless shelters, where it's uh, uh, helping out in a school, reading books to kids, wherever or whatever God places on your heart, you have to make the decision to get engaged. Nehemiah said, I came here to help. I'll get the Wi-Fi password later. But God... God wants us all to be his change agent in the world. Amen. He created us all to do good works. Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Let the church say good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Nehemiah, he shares his heart. He shares his concerns over the uh, tragic conditions in Jerusalem with the king. He prays to God as we saw in the message last week. Prayer should always be our first response. In, every, in everything, we ought to pray to God. 
Paul says, pray without ceasing. Yes, Prayer should always be first, then God will give us the answer. Amen. Yes, it appears Nehemiah, he doesn't leave the king's presence. He, he doesn't go to a closet. He doesn't go to his prayer closet. By all indications, he, he mumbles a quick prayer right there. And God puts something on his heart. After this prayer, Nehemiah makes his request to the king to help rebuild the walls of, of Jerusalem. He goes on to work with the king. He, he compromises with the king. Remember that he works for the king. So he compromises with the king. I need to take some PTO because I'm going to be gone for a little while. I need to burn some vacation because I'm going to help. It's going to require me to be away. I can't serve as your cupbearer for a little bit of time. But he also asked the king to set up some security for him so he can have safe passage to Judah. He asked the king to give him some resources, some timber to help build, rebuild the walls and the gates. Nehemiah does all this based on a decision he made by what God put on his heart. So number one, serving requires a decision, y'all. God wants to use all of us for his glory. But number two, we learn from the text, stay focused on the vision or the assignment. I love this passage of scripture. It, when, you, when you make the decision to serve, Stay focused on the vision or the assignment that God gives you. Whatever God has placed on your heart to do, whatever ministry he has gifted you to serve in, or wherever he sends you, fix your focus on the vision or the assignment he has planted in you. Watch this. The very first thing Nehemiah does when he gets to Jerusalem is to fix his focus on the assignment. Says in verse 11, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. Uh, Nehemiah had a mandate from God because God answers us through prayer. And I come to tell somebody this morning, if you're still on the fence, if you're still undecided, I want to give you confirmation that God has something for you to do. If you're wrestling with it, be assured this morning, God has something for you to do. I say focus, y'all. I say stay focused because a lot of times with us, we can't always do what God wants us to do because we lose focus of the vision or the assignment. We like to blame everything on disobedience. But sometimes it's, it's just a lack of focus. Or we haven't made the decision to fully serve God. It's not always disobedience. Could be discouragement. Uh, we make excuses like we aren't good enough. We aren't the right person for the assignment. But God knows who you are. He knows what you're capable of. Capable, capable of and God has an assignment that is tailor-made for you. Are you hearing me this morning? You are special to God. He... he he made you just like he wanted you to be. And he has an assignment for you somewhere in the kingdom. But, but notice in verse 12, right? He, he mentions that he didn't tell anybody what, it, what God put on his heart. I love this part because one thing, I might get in trouble, one thing that destroys our focus, one thing, one reason we can't, we can't focus on the assignment because we need everybody else's approval. Come on. 
He said he didn't tell nobody. We need everybody else's approval. Sometimes we got to get input from everybody else when the assignment came from God. The assignment didn't come from Deacon Evans. It came from God. Uh, sometimes we get excited. We got to run tell everybody. Oh, my God. We got to tell everybody. Nehemiah didn't tell anybody because he, he knew, watch this, he knew he had some opposition to deal with. He wanted to keep the, optimi uh, the opposition at bay and the pessimism among the people. He wanted to keep all that to a minimum. Amen. He was already aware that those guys opposed the work that he planned to perform. There was no need to give them any advanced knowledge of his plans for reconstruction or to rebuild the wall. The less they knew, the better off he would be. If they knew nothing of his plans, it would be more difficult for them to give him any opposition. Beloved, whenever you make a decision to serve God, it makes the enemy mad. The, the enemy will do whatever he can to derail the plans of God. We, we don't need the approval of people for God's will. If God assigns you to it, he'll take you through it. If God assigns you... We, we need the input of people to boost our confidence. We think we think it'll it'll help us serve better. We need the input of people to boost our confidence. When in reality, we're opening the door to discouragement and defeat. God gave you the vision; He didn't give them the vision. God assigned you there. He didn't assign nobody else. He assigned you there. But we turn around and share it with the wrong person. We've opened the door to defeat and discouragement. Oh, man, you ain't got no business doing that. You, what you doing over there trying to leave some ministry? Go ahead, brother. You ain't got no business being a pastor. But God called you to it. Right. Nehemiah said, I didn't tell nobody. Uh, pessimism, discouragement, it comes, it comes because people can't comprehend the size of the task that God has given you. Whatever God gives you or tells you, you got to walk by faith. Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. When you need people's input, when you need people's approval, you're walking by sight. You're not walking by the faith that God has given. You're walking by sight. Man, what you think about this, man? How was that sermon? How was that song? Uh, how was that uh, feeding the homeless we did? Stay focused on, on the assignment. Don't complicate matters by trying to get people to co-sign what God shared with you. Don't, don't, don't focus on how big the task is. Focus on how big our God is. 
Instead of telling people, Nehemiah goes on the finished survey and the damage, y'all. It says in verse 13, by night I went out to, through the valley gate toward the jackal wall of Wailretha and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. He says in verse 14, then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mouth to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. It says in verse 16, he still hadn't told anybody. He says, verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. Because I had, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Instead, he fixed his focus on God. He fixed his focus on the assignment. And he went on and surveyed the damage. And he was prepared to do what God had called him to do. But if you tell somebody, man, you ain't got no business doing that. You talking about trying to rebuild some walls. You ain't even got no money. Where are you going to get the money from? But God said he would provide every one of our needs. So number two, fix your focus on the assignment and serve the Lord. Uh, you don't need the approval of people. Amen. But the third thing the text teaches us when you're serving or whether you're leading the ministry. Number three, we see with Nehemiah, be receptive to helping hands. Be receptive. To, reset, uh, to helping hands. Let's keep it real. Serving and leading in the kingdom of God, y'all, it often requires help. Now watch this. We often hear people say they are burned out. I've said it before. You ever said that before? Here, here it is. The reason we get burned out because we're trying to do too much. We get burned out because we reject help. Or we can't find good help. Or we are afraid to trust people that God has sent us to help. Look at somebody and say, quit doing so much. You, you got to be receptive to helping hands. And, and that's... that's that's critical, y'all, because God has not called us to do everything by ourselves. And the reason being, the kingdom of God is not about any one person. It's about God. Sometimes we get greedy and we want all the glory. That's, that's the reality. Most of us are just greedy. We want, a, we want the spotlight. We, all, we want all the attaboys and the pats on the back. But you've got to be receptive to helping hands. Uh, most assignments that God gives us, they're too big for one person anyway. You need help. Moses need help. He needed help. Y'all. He, he got reprimanded by his father-in-law because he was trying to do everything by himself. Even Jesus needed help to do ministry. That's why, that's why you think he picked 12 disciples. He picked 12 disciples so they could carry the Lord, help them carry the Lord. Now he, he often got frustrated with them because of their little faith, but he had help. You need help. You're trying to do too much. You got to be receptive to helping hands. He says in verse 17, then I said to them, 
He surveyed. He hadn't told anybody. He had some guys with him. It's verse 17. Then I said to them. You see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. It it looks like to me, uh, Nehemiah didn't believe in a one-man ministry. Nehemiah appears to he, he appears to believe that there's strength in numbers. Amen. Yes. The more the better. I, we say it sometimes, teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, yeah. He understands there's strength in numbers, there's strength in unity, there's strength when we all work together and get the assignment that God has given us. Yes. We get it done. He prayed. He didn't tell anyone. He got the details together. He got the plans together. Then he made a passionate and promising plea to these men he had brought with them to help. It was passionate because he loved the city of Jerusalem and he wanted to rebuild what had been destroyed. Amen. He didn't waste any time. He brought his passion with him. He immediately encouraged the people to rise up and get built to get busy. Amen. He wanted to restore the city to its former glory. Amen. It was promising because he understands that the hand of God is on his life and what he was doing was within the will of God. Amen. He revealed to these men that God had called him to this task and that God's mighty hand was upon Nehemiah and he was ready to uh, get to work. Amen. Amen. He assured them that God was in the midst. This is not this is not my idea. This is what God has given me. And Nehemiah, he assured them that God was in control. He was still in the mix. That's a word for us for 2024. Make it your mission to serve God and serve him with all your heart and be faithful to him. That's, that's, a, that's a mission for 2024. Serve him with all your heart. Be faithful to him. And I come to tell you this morning, God is still looking for willing workers. And the good news for us, the same God that provided for Nehemiah and his men is the same God that will do for each and every last one of us. He provided for them. He will provide for us. Amen. He, we, we've been commissioned. He was commissioned by God to carry out his work. God has commissioned us to carry out his work as well. As long as we stand with him and lean on his power with his anointing, we cannot fail. Uh, that's good for the individual and the church as a whole. Amen. God, is, God has called us to serve him. Not fix our focus on the opposition. Don't worry how difficult the task may be. Keep your eyes on God. Amen. We know that God cannot fail. That's good news today. God cannot fail. So whatever he called you to do, know that he will not fail. He will give you the power to do the assignment. So number one, uh, it's a decision. But number two, stay focused on the vision. Number three, be receptive to helping hands. But here's the last point. And this is probably my favorite point. Because there's some tension in the text. Number four, when you're serving or you're leading, I love this. Don't be dissuaded by obstacles and opposition. Don't be dissuaded. This word dissuade, it means 
to turn somebody against doing right. something. Come on now. A little different from persuade. Persuade, they're trying to get you to do something. This way, they're trying to get you to not do something. Don't don't be dissuaded by obstacles and opposition. I, I can't I can't stand here and tell you that serving God in any capacity will be easy. If I was to say that, I'd be a bald face, a bald face, a bold face lie. If I was to tell you it's going to be easy, I'll be telling you a flat out lie. What I will tell you is that serving God in any capacity will require faith and determination. You got to be determined to be faithful to God when opposition, notice I said when opposition arises. I didn't say if, I said when opposition and obstacles arise. When, not if. Notice after they commit to the work, they say, let us get to work. Notice after they commit to the work, here comes some haters. Opposition arises. Verse 19, but, but when Sambalot, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite, official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What we say, haters gonna hate. Y'all still say that? What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Verse 20 says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to do it. Don't be dissuaded by obstacles and opposition. Here's why. The opposition keeps a bunch of mess going. That's why we call it messy ministry. But but you know what trips me out about this? This is what trips me out. These three dudes, they say they heard about it. That, That trips me out. That trips me out. It's always the people that won't lift a finger to help. Always hearing about it. It's always the people that won't volunteer to do anything. But sometimes, somehow they heard about it. It's always the people that won't help that have the best ideas. It's always the people that won't help, won't do anything, won't serve. They always have the harshest criticism. I would have sang that song this way instead of that. I would have Pastor, I would have gave him three points instead of four points. I would have played the keyboard instead of the organ. I would have had the youth ushers instead of the men ushers. Whatever God has called you to do, don't be dissuaded by obstacles and opposition. Because, let's be real, 
We have a natural tendency to worry about people, what people are going to say. That's natural. That's okay. But you, you, if you're worried about the approval of people, you'll never complete this time. You keep, keep your focus on God and let the haters hate. I hate to use that term haters, but that's just what it is, y'all. Nehemiah, he stirred the people to ask him. He said, let's get the word. But it didn't take long for the, for the opposition to show up, y'all. The, the same would be true in our case as well. The opposition, the opposition is, the same, is the same in every generation. There's nothing new under the sun. Nehemiah dealt with it. Uh, Jesus dealt with it. But the Pharisees, they, they always had a word for Jesus. And you're going to deal with it too. But you got to keep your focus on God. Notice the opposition. He, he comes to make a mockery out of you. Of what God has called you to do. He says, what is this you're doing? They ask, are you rebelling against the king? Here's what mockery does, y'all. Mockery will have you feeling hopeless and second guessing God. We saw with Eve in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, uh, the, the enemy said, did God really say that? Mockery. Man, I, I, maybe I didn't hear that from God. But you got to be focused on God so you know it's real. We, it'll have you feeling hopeless and second guessing God. We got to stand strong in the face of opposition and be determined to press on even if the opposition says you will never get it done. The opposition always has an ulterior motive. The motives of opposition is often envy and jealousy. That's really what it is. The enemy uses the opposition to create doubt and discouragement. Discouragement. They ask the question, what is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Here's one mistake the opposition always makes. They always underestimate the power of God that works through us. They're looking at us. They're looking at the flesh. But the reality is, it's God and his Holy Spirit working through us. They have criticism, they have mockery, but you're serving God and you're serving under the power of his anointing for the task of the task for you is don't back down. Rather, you got to remind them of the God you serve. That's the answer for the haters, for the opposition. Remind them of the God you serve. And Nehemiah responds by saying the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Nehemiah knew who God was. Nehemiah knew who God was. He knew that God would provide. Amen. Don't you ever forget that God is the source of your strength. Amen. Don't you ever forget that God is the source of your strength. I don't care what kind of opposition comes against you, but when God is your strength, when you are doing it for God, it doesn't matter what any naysayer has to say. If God has called you to do it, he will equip you for it. He will provide for you to get it done and he will make sure to see it to completion. He who did a good work in you will see it to the day of completion. Amen. The world of haters or the opposition may think it's crazy. They may call you funny. They, they may say you're out of your mind, but God said, do it and I will make sure it happens. Nehemiah said, the God of heaven 
will give us success. I love that right there. I love that right there. It, it's not my doing, but it's God. I'm on assignment for God. In other words, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's what it's all about there. The opposition says one thing, but as Paul says in Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? And if God is for us, it doesn't matter who is against us. You got to understand who the devil is. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's an accuser. He's a tempter. He's a destroyer. He, he is the evil one. Amen. And as Reverend Carter always said, he has a three-part process to kill, steal, and destroy. But Nehemiah says that God in heaven will give us success. Doesn't matter who the opposition is. We worry about what we worry about what God says. This is why John says in 1 John 4 4, greater is he that is in you. And he that is in the world. I'm done. I don't preach too long today, y'all. I'm done. Oh, God, I love it, y'all. I love it. I can stand here and do this all day because I love God. I love to share his word. And I love to make it plain. And I want to encourage you. Get involved. Make the decision to get involved. And what it's all about is about letting go of yourself and letting God use you for his own purpose and pleasure. That's what it's all about. Letting go of self and letting God have his own way. Make the decision. Uh, stay focused on the vision that God gave you or whatever he has assigned to you. Make sure that you stay focused on what God has given you. Always be willing to receive helping hands. Amen. Some assignments are too big for one person. Some visions require you to partner with other believers to see it through. But always know that God will provide the resources for whatever you need. But lastly, never, never be dissuaded by the opposition. What it all falls down to is Nehemiah had faith in God and he believed in prayer. That's what it all falls down to. He had faith in God, he believed in prayer, and he didn't let anything turn him around. You got to make that decision. Don't let anything turn you around. Come on, stand to your feet. Give God praise. Give him praise. Nehemiah says, I came here to help. Anybody still willing to help? Anybody still willing to serve God? Anybody still faithful to the Lord? Anybody willing to serve Him till you die? God, we thank you today for this word. We thank you for your presence in this place. I pray, God, today that this word would encourage the hearts of your people. I pray, God, that on this second Sunday in 2024, that you would stir up the gifts that you have placed in your people. I pray, God, that you would use each and every last one of us.
for your purpose and your pleasure. From the youngest child in the building to the oldest person in the building. That you would, that you would use us all for your glory, for your pleasure. God, we understand that opposition will come. We understand that the naysayers will have much to say. But we're not worried about them, God. We're focused on you. Yes, Lord. So, God, I, I pray for your people today, God, that you would use them however you see fit. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We love you. We seal this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to all moment of power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website lzmbc.net Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.